Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, here we are, another week closer to Brexit and the prize seems to be further away than ever. Theresa May is off walking around Lake Coma with her husband. Health officials are issuing dire warnings about sexually transmitted super diseases and shortages of insulin come next year. And even the Brexit Secretary, Dominic Raab, has been talking about food shortages, for heaven's sake. And as if that's not bad enough, more and more people apparently think leaving the EU will be bad for Britain. Well, that's according to a poll anyway, uh, and they got it all wrong the last time. Great, isn't it? I'll be asking Katie Perry what on earth is going on in the corridors of power during the holidays? 0344 499 Coming up later on, uh, Michael Gove is finally doing something I agree with. He's ordering the bosses of all the water companies to come and see him uh, and promise to stop all the leaks. He's obviously been listening to this show. Uh, also, we'll be talking uh, about this red tractor business. Amazing story on the front page of the Times, which says uh, that the red tractor seal of approval for food that you buy is actually not worth the paper it is written on. Plus, I'll be asking where the most romantic place in Britain is and why so many of us take our own tea on holiday. 0344 499 You listen to me, Mike Graham and Casey Perrier on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 0344 499 Just a call from Russia, by the way. I don't know why people ring me when I'm on the radio. Uh, certainly from Russia. Why would I be getting a call from Russia? I want to know why Russia's calling. I don't know why Russia's calling. Now Let's... I'm very suspicious. Like I wasn't suspicious enough of you already, Mike Graham. Yeah. I'm very suspicious you? of you now. <laughs> Hugh uh, is in Rygate uh, to add a bit of sense to the show. Hugh, very good morning Morning, you. Hugh. Morning, guys. How are we? Very well indeed. Very well. Uh, how are you coping with the uh, very changeable weather? Oh, I love the weekend. A bit of cool this time. Two decent nights sleep and my appetite came back. Yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? But uh, don't worry, it's going to get hot again towards the end of the week. What do you, yeah. make, of, uh, what do you make of all this doom and gloom? And Are, oh. you, are you stockpiling baked beans? <laughs> no, these <laughs> guest stories are so pathetic. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, uh, would have done the same thing as me about uh, 20 years ago. I spent half of my working life in meetings about the year 2000. Right. And every computer was Y2K, all over. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And we should be stockpiling food because all the supermarkets would be better. All that nonsense, and it never happened. Yeah, planes and were going to fall out of the sky, weren't they? They were. Everything was going to go. We were going to be uh, eating each other. Yeah, that's weeks. right. Um, <laughs> Only in Rygate, obviously. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And lo, lo and behold, uh, nothing happened. And, right. you know, I, I listening to your guy in the first half hour, you know, I mean, I, yes, there are um, administrative issues that have to be sorted, but. Right. The thing that everybody ignores is the French want us to drive through the tunnel right. and take our cars and spend our money in their restaurants and hotels and shops and two coast of things. Yeah. The Americans want us to fly to Florida and California yeah. and spend the pound over there. You know, it is in their interest to get it done. 
Well, um, I don't know enough about the ins and outs of the DVLA, but I'd be astonished uh, if it was only because of the European Union that we don't need an international driving licence to rent a car in America. I just don't believe that. No, I mean, even if it does, it's not, it's not a hard thing to solve. You know, I mean, yes, there will have to be meetings between boring civil servants in badly fitted suits. Yeah. But, they, you know, it will happen because they want our money. Right, exactly. You know, we are still the sixth biggest economy in the world. Right. And, you know, people will still have to trade. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, you rightly said it. I mean, I drive down to Kent a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the M20 is a, a nightmare when, you know, the, the channel tunnel is stuck on a, you know, more or less a weekly basis. Yeah. They're accused. But that's what I'm saying. There. I mean, these people like Lammy, who doesn't even know where the M20 is, right, going on and on and on about how terrible it's going to be. It's already terrible. Exactly. And it, I mean, it's all the people who, do, you know, who talk for a living, like the MPs, who actually don't do any of the negotiation yeah. uh, that, are, that are causing the fuss. And both sides did it during the referendum vote. They tried to scare everybody. The newspapers and, and everything else pickle up on it and come up with these wonderful stories that make for a few good tweets. But yeah. in reality, there is going to be no panic. You know, I well, mean, you so see, I've always said, and I still maintain it, that regardless of what happens, you know, we will kind of keep calm and carry on because that's what we do. You well, know, you over, over, choice, you? over I mean, time, nothing much is going to change. No, exactly. You know, I mean, businesses like, you know, the, the, the supermarkets will make sure their chain of supply is secure because that's what keeps them in business. Right. You know, and everybody will do the same thing. Business will look after itself. Trade will carry on. Some jobs will go. Some jobs will start. You know, it, it's, it's, it will be largely the same. Right. Everybody knows that come next April, we still have to trade around the world. And some of that trade will be with Europe and some of it will be elsewhere. And some of the paperwork will have to use a few, lose a few European stars. But it will still carry on. So what um, do you think, Hugh, about the Sky News poll that's out today saying that people are turning off the idea of Brexit now? I think people are sick of it and just want the, the government to solve it. Yeah. Um, my personal view is that a hard, bre- a hard Brexit is becoming more and more inevitable. Yes. And that we'll sort it out after, after we've left because... The bargaining positions will change, but you know when we don't pay them forty, fifty billion pounds to leave, and you know, and then the Europeans realise that there are no people coming through the channel to go on holiday, they'll start to uh, be a little bit more open-minded about how, what the relationship between Britain and the rest of Europe will be in the future. But uh, you know, but I, you know, the politicians are using, losing all the trust, every single one of them on every side. Um, people are despairing of them because there's no alternative to Theresa to, to May and Theresa's not doing a particularly good job. No, um, but don't you also think that given the complex nature of what everybody keeps describing, you know, they should all be sitting there working it out. They shouldn't all be off on, uh, you know, walking holidays around Lake Coma. And I'm calling it Lake Coma deliberately, by the way, before anybody <laughs> tries to correct me. Well, I think the thing is, you know, you, you and I have discussed this before. Um, I think Sir Humphrey is doing the negotiating. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I, I, hope, I hope they're doing a, a much better job of it. And, you know, that's where the I's will be dotted and the T's will be yeah. crossed. Yeah. And the politicians are just posturing. And whenever I hear farmers complaining that, you know, the fruit's going rotten in the fields and the potatoes aren't going to be dug up because they haven't got enough people to do it, well, why don't you pay them a bit more money and you soon fill those jobs? Well, that's right. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know whether you listen to the archers. I do. That's been one of the running stories. For, it's, it's one of the things that caused me to have a very misshapen and, and warped childhood. I don't listen to it anymore. Well, that's, that's how I got hooked, but I haven't lost it. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, but the point is that they, you know, they're saying in that that they can't trap the school leavers and things to do it because it starts early in the morning and it doesn't pay oh, very well. But, you know, but pay, you know, pay them a bit better and get yeah. some of the students in to do it. You know? Yeah, I mean, they can have my two kids for the summer for a start, you know, because they're doing right. nothing pay them. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they can pay them instead of me paying them and do nothing, hanging around. Exactly. And, and you know, they just, you know, and it, all right, maybe the price of a punnet of strawberries goes up by a few pence. Yeah. Who cares? You I know. know. I mean, 
Well, the thing is, you know, I've never met a poor farmer in my life. They're always pleading poverty, you know, always asking for more subsidies, you know. Well, that's right, yes. Yeah. And they're all driving around in big cars or in big tractors in front of me on the road. <laughs> what a pleasure it would be Chatting so delightfully Nanny Blake's this is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to explore a great story on the front page of the Times today, which is all about a Red Tractor, which is a kind of a label that's given to certain types of food, uh, supposedly giving it the seal of approval uh, from an organisation which checks to make sure that animals are treated right, uh, that conditions are proper, uh, that hygiene is uh, adhered to and all that kind of thing. Turns out uh, it's not quite what you think it is, Katie, so we'll be uh, uh, exploring that. Coming up right now, though, we're going to talk about holidays because you've just been on one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going on one a little bit later on. Um, and uh, apparently, it turns out that 32% of people who go on holiday admit to taking their own packets of biscuits, right? Uh, 55% of people take their own tea bags, and 49% even pack their own preferred coffee beans. I mean, that is ridiculous. I love this story. It's ridiculous, right? Now, the only man that can tell us why any of this matters is, of course, uh, our etiquette specialist, uh, the former royal butler, Mr. Grant Harold. Grant, a very good uh, morning to you. Hi, Grant. Good morning, Mum. Now, listen, uh, etiquette aside, this is mm. nonsense, isn't it? What on earth are you doing carrying tea bags halfway around the world? I think it's fantastic. I think, I mean, I've done the same. I've taken everything from tea bags to biscuits. I know people that travel with cereal. Um, I think if it's something you like and you, you're kind of worried you might not get it at the other end, uh, within reason... Yeah, but, yeah, but surely the point of travelling, Grant, is to mm. explore new things and Absolutely. to go to different places. That, and, as... You know, if you go to Vietnam, you mm. don't want, uh, you know, some PG tips, do you? Well, exactly. That That is quite true. But at the same time, as Brits, we do like a kind of home comforts and tea is something that makes us feel very safe and secure. And when something goes wrong, we can have a good old cup of British tea. I agree with you, Grant. I mean, you're on holiday, so if you want to take your little pleasures on holiday with you, you exactly. mean to you know, do what you want. So what biscuits holiday. do you take on holiday? Then? I didn't take any biscuits. We did take tea bags. You took tea bags? Yorkshire tea bags. You are mad. No. Oh, I mean, a tea bag's not loose tea. You're, you're talk, you're no, we took tea bags because oh, okay, they're so weak abroad, you see, and you can yeah. put two or three in a cup and you still can't yeah. quite get the tea that you want do you to drink have to at pack home. Them, do you have to pack them in the hold, in the bag? In the hold, so yeah. So you can't put them in your hand baggage? No, because that looks like you're trying to smuggle something in, doesn't it? Well, that's what I mean. No, no, no. Got to put it in the hole. You don't want some over-anxious um, uh, sort of border patrol guard ripping open your tea bags. A good you? story, though, wouldn't it? it Yorkshire would tea, <laughs> yeah, confiscated at Heathrow. There was, I was, I was, I saw a tweet from somebody earlier today. Funnily enough, about tea, a guy who said that he'd recently visited one of the big tea-making plantations factories in Sri Lanka, um, mm. and they had a big box of stuff uh, near the exit door which said "dust," right, yes. full of dust, and. Yeah. Uh, and the guy said uh, to the bloke who was, who was showing him around, he said, what do you do with all that? Yeah. Is that all waste? And they went, no, no we put it in tea bags and sent yeah. it to Britain. Yeah. yeah. Dust Absolutely. off the floor. But... Which is why I always say drink loose tea, because mm. the tea bags, you do get the kind of the ends of it. So it's better to have the, the loose uh, tea. You see? Do all the royals drink the right so loose tea then, yeah? Oh, I hope so. I mean, obviously I'm not on the watch anymore, but I hope they still drink the loose tea. I think um, I would you know, when it comes so. to the tea, there's nothing wrong with a tea bag, but of course, loose tea, I think it's just a better... Just got a better flavour, and so, you can lock it. You know, you get those old tea caddies, and if you're worried about anybody kind of taking it, you can always lock it. Especially if you go away on holiday and you want to leave some, just lock it, and it's nice and safe. Now, what about this then? If you reckon you should be carrying tea around the world with mm. you, right? What if you go to somebody's house for dinner and yeah. present them with your own tea? 
and say, would you mind awfully after well, dinner? Uh, would you mind making me my tea? I don't want that's yours. That's rude. Well, of course I've, it's rude. I've, I've kind of heard people do this. Uh, this no. Isn't, this isn't unusual in the world of aristocracy. I have I have heard people kind of go to people's <laughs> homes with their tea because this is a certain type of tea that they maybe like. It might be for health reason. It might just be... Oh, yeah. It's you know they're just worried that you don't have the, the the correct tea, so they might take it with them. It's more if you're going to go and stay, not just for the dinner. If you're staying maybe overnight, right. and you want a certain tea in the morning. People can attend to to do that. We're just you know when it comes to the tea, we we're really we can be really funny about it. Mm. We like tea just a certain way. We all have our different types. We like some people like tea bags, some people like loose. Um, it's a really it's a really interesting one. And the other thing that people don't realise is tea bags, which you know people obviously think they've been around for centuries. Tea bags were an American invention. They were they were little pouches for transporting tea. And when they got over here, we, we all thought, oh, this is fantastic. We can dunk them in these little bags. Ah. And the tea bag was born. Oh, right. And you're not, are you sort of, I know you're not a massive fan of tea bags at all, but are you are you prone to using the triangular ones? Are they any oh, better? Oh, good God, no. All no? those things. No, they, 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 I don't understand. The pyramids. They, they, they confuse me. It's too terrifying. Really? I prefer just good old-fashioned tea bags. Yeah, and I learned there's some plastic in those things what? as well, so they're not well, as biodegradable as well, I thought everything. they were. There's plastic uh, in everything. another reason not to, to, to use them. Hmm. There's no plastic in me. I'd just like to point that out. Well, and I'm it, very happy to hear it. <laughs> anyway, Grant, so what are the other things that you think is a no-no in terms of you know going on holiday and being demanding or indeed going to other people's houses and being demanding about what you I want think, and what you don't want? I think when you you know when you go somewhere, if you go on holiday, say you're going overseas and you're going to stay with some friends, I think to an extent you, you can have, they, they're, you're, they're the host. Yep. They're the ones that have invited you. So they, they're going to supply you with everything. At the same time, as we said, if there's certain things that you might like, and, I, and when I said cereals, I've been quite serious. Some people, the certain cereals that they like, uh, there's little home comforts, and they'll take them. And I don't think people, I mean, I've been lucky enough to have stayed with friends overseas. I haven't kind of taken too much. I mean, I have taken tea. <laughs> I have taken tea. Uh, I'll even add it was high grove um, tea from the, the shop, so it was a very good quality tea. Very I nice. Say. And um, I, I also gave it as gifts, so I took it to have myself, and I also took it uh, to, to give as gifts. See, that's uh, quite a clever. That's, that's quite, clever. That's quite clever. You make Brought it into you the a best gift. biscuits because exactly. your ones are rubbish. Open it's them like, now. Open like, them now. It's like bringing a nice bottle of champagne to a party and make sure they don't just put it in a cupboard. Yeah. You know, you make sure they yes. open it. Make sure they. Make if they put your, your chocolates on the shelf mm. and then they give you the crummy ones, mm. that's not a good deal. It's as far as I'm concerned. It's a, and that's a tricky thing. If you do take something that's edible to someone's home, and sometimes they'll say, oh, will we open it now? And even though we're all kind of thinking, oh, yes, that'd be lovely. But at the same time, technically, it's their gift. So they're supposed to keep it. You never later. know what to do about that. Do I open it because they want to try it there and then? Or do I um, keep it because it's a gift? Technically, they probably do. But they would never dream to say that to you. So it'd be very much, I mean, te- be exact about this, you would probably put them away and you could have them yourself later the following night or something. But if you want to be, you know, really kind of a good hostess, and let's just say, you know, they're quite nice quality chocolates. And you think, actually, I'm going to share this with everyone, including the people who brought them. That, that's absolutely fine. You can do that as well. It's it's a personal thing, really. Yeah. Now, this study was done by Europe Cars also found this is an interesting one. Thirty percent of people pack their own fluffy towels. Now, I know people who end yeah. up actually doing the opposite, which is to come back with the fluffy towels from the hotel. Uh, you know, thieves, I mean, in other words. I, I can do one better than that. I actually know some friends that will actually travel with their own pillows. Really? Oh, I've done that. I've well, done that, and, Grant. And again, I can understand why, because when it comes to pillows, it's a personal thing, it's a comfort thing. 
Uh, some people have got a set into a pillow. They don't want to go somewhere else and get some off a pillow that's uncomfortable. You know, like a wafer thin pillow, right? That isn't even worth wafer having. Thin? Wafer yeah. thin. It's yeah. not even worth having. It doesn't matter if you pile six of them on top of each other. They are not worth having. Well, you shouldn't say it's uh, cheap place. <laughs> you know, and I'm always, I'm always f- fearful of that. And so I've got one that's kind of good for the neck. And so I, yeah. I pack, I've been known to, to pack it. So well, I went, went pack to, a pillow? When I went to Disneyland, I packed a pillow no. in a suitcase. Yeah. Really? Well, see, this, yeah. Is, this is, I mean, Disneyland, that's interesting. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a lovely idea to take a, a pillow with you. And, um, I mean, I, I kind of hope when you go somewhere like that, they would, they would kind of supply you some yeah. very nice quality Disney pillows. But you anyway, think, you? Um, no. But the other thing I travel with is coat hangers. Do you? Because, because you don't like the rubbish ones. Well, with the, the, these awful plastic things from, well, we won't even go into that. But, um, you know, you get there and you want nice quality um, coat well, hangers. Are yours padded? Are, or? Your, are you talking wooden ones? Wooden ones, yeah. Oh, I do like padded as well. Mm. I don't mind. That's I'm, a bit I'm heavy, isn't it, for the old plane, putting wooden, uh, wooden hangers in? But I quite, I quite like them. And, you know, they're perfect, the kind of trousers and they've got the grips on them. And the reason I do it is how many times do you go to someone's home and they don't have enough hangers or, or they don't have any hangers? Listen, you know? people's oh, homes I go to, it doesn't even come out of the suitcase, yeah, mate, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, okay. so, you're lucky if you end up getting a bed. <laughs> they don't have buttons to help you unpack and I take. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, Dr. Tony, very good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us. This is very disturbing, isn't it? Because we're we're led to believe that you know we have all these processes by which we make sure that animals are not treated badly, that that the food that we eat is is properly prepared, that it's hygienic, and all of those things. And the red tractor label is meant to guarantee that, but but you found uh, something perhaps different to that. Exactly. I mean, most British people care very much about animals and don't like to think about them suffering, and yeah. so they do want something on the packaging when they're buying food in the supermarket that gives them an assurance that the animals didn't suffer unnecessarily. Yet we have found um, in the last seven months, we've been inside six different red tractor approved farms and we've found serious welfare concerns on all of them. 
And only two of those farms were actually suspended by the red tractor as a result of the evidence that we provided. So we really don't think that it's something consumers can put trust in. Now, Tony, the more I read this story on the front page of the Times today, the more horrified I am. Because there are points where it raises that, you know what, when they're even told there's going to be an inspection uh, going to take place, it's only something like one inspection in every 1,000 farms in the UK. But they're kind of announced inspections. So these farms, they go and remove the dead animals and the sick animals so that they get 24 hours notice before an inspector turns up. Isn't it time now that we've seen what really goes on, that we up the inspections and we make them unannounced? Oh, I mean, 100% with you on that one, definitely. An announced inspection is, quite frankly, pointless. I mean, you can get your house in order in a very quick amount of time when you know someone is coming. These have to be random spot checks carried out far more regularly and by independent inspectors as well because at the moment the farmers can actually choose from a list of people who are going to inspect their farm ridiculous absolutely ridiculous yeah it's like they're marking their own homework in a way isn't it exactly exactly it we need complete transparency and we really need uh, not only red tractor but also the government body defra as well takes needs to take responsibility for this we need them doing random spot checks on farms and serious consequences when welfare legislation is broken because consumers think, well, if we have these laws, then I can guarantee if I'm buying British meat, the laws are being obeyed. And that's just not the case. And, you know, as far as the way that this is all put together and the way that it's administered, the red tractor business, I mean, who's in charge of it in the final analysis? Well, I mean, red tractor was originally set up by farmers to give... to try and get but is it, but is it like, more British produce. But is it like the farmers union? Is it an association? Who who exactly is, is, is in charge of it is I suppose what I'm asking. It's a separate body completely. So it it would be operated as a business right. rather than a union. Okay. And farmers pay the red tractor to be certified by them. Right. So, you know, there is a financial incentive as well for Red Tractor to certify as many farms as possible and not to come down too hard on them when they break the rules because then they stop giving Red Tractor money. Well, it's a membership so, organisation as well as something that accredits you for good service and, and good quality uh, provision uh, in terms of you know levels of inspection. So surely they have to kind of move that out now and to make sure that there's an independent you know, side to this structure so that they can criticise those members they have on board. Uh, And it doesn't feel like it's a kind of club. Exactly. And I think, you know, British people really understand this concept. Independent scrutiny is seen as being quite vital to ensure the rules are being upheld in any type of industry. And they really want to see this in animal farming as well. And so as far as this story in The Times goes this morning, I mean, you've obviously known about this kind of thing going on for a while. Um, What is likely to change as a result of this? I think because there have been so many exposés in the last six, seven months of Red Tractor certified farms, um, they're going to have to take action because there will just come a time when the public completely write off their logo as having any credibility at all so this is their opportunity to step up and actually 
change. Right. And an interesting piece on the inside pages of uh, of the Times say that shoppers wanting to buy meat, dairy products or eggs from animals that have been treated well face a bewildering variety of labels. I mean, we were talking earlier today about how Tesco's in particular, and I don't mean to single them out, but they had come up with this kind of farm brand, which made people think that, you know, the eggs were from a farm, the chicken was from a farm, the stuff that they were selling us was from a particular farm. And it turned out it was a fictitious farm and it wasn't actually a farm mm. at all. No, exactly. I mean, labelling is a massive issue because consumers really do not have any idea how the animals they're eating were treated at the moment. Companies can use false farm names, as you just mentioned. The only product that has transparency are eggs from caged hens. So consumers know that those eggs came from hens in cages, and the vast majority of people now buy free-range eggs because they don't want to support that. Yeah, but, I mean, do we know for sure that free-range actually means... Because I think, you know, and I don't mean to sound like an old romantic here, but, you know, my idea of a free-range chicken is one that literally runs around the farmyard. I don't think that's Mm. what they do, is it? No, it's certainly not, no. No, no, no. I mean, certainly, you know, we we take issue with all forms of animal farming, and we would never endorse free-range either because we know that too often you know things are labeled free range and it's not what the consumer imagines the conditions to be like so what would you Um, describe the general kind of mass market of free range eggs to be what what kind of conditions are we talking about I mean, a lot of them will still be kept in very large flocks of ten to 20,000 uh-huh. birds. They will be indoors a large proportion of the time. They won't be in cages, right. um, but they will be let out. You know, there's a minimum amount of time that they are meant to be let out every mm. day. We do get calls from people fairly regularly saying they live next to one and they never see the birds outdoors. Right. Uh, and, of course, at the end of the day, you know, they will still go to the same slaughterhouse as the other chickens. Mm. So their life is... Well, the death is the same. Their life is slightly better. One of the things I've seen from this story that makes me well, it makes me so angry, Tony, is that um, it's a fraudulent kind of behaviour, in my opinion. I'd go as strong mm. as to say that because if you, like me, shop a certain way to make sure that I'm buying British and I'm buying something with a red tractor on it and I'm paying more for that than something that's from Romania and doesn't have the kind of standards I thought I was getting, then I'm possibly being ripped off, aren't I? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that is why we do undercover investigations, because we think consumers have a right to know what they're buying. And if the organizations who are meant to be upholding our welfare laws can't do it, then it is up to groups like us to go in and get the evidence and show it directly to consumers. Yeah, I think, I think you're have right. A right to know. And I think there is a general trend. And I mean, again, I'm not wishing to, to, to tie everybody with the same brush, but I think there is a bit of misleading going on. I mean, for example, I'm reading uh, here in The Times that pork, which is labelled outdoor bread can often only mean that it's outdoors uh, for maybe, um, you know, eight weeks out of the 16 that it's actually, you know, in captivity. So it's not actually, you know, again, you, it creates this image for you of a sort of a pig wandering about in a in a farmyard, you know, with a bit of mud to roll in and, you know, quite nice conditions and all of that. And it's not like that at all. No, exactly. I mean, particularly on pig products, the labeling is so complex because yeah. outdoor bread means just that they were born outside but then they spent most of their six month life indoors being fattened in yeah. terrible conditions and consumers really it's very difficult for them to look at wording on a packaging and know exactly what that means there must there must be a better system out there 
And what about um, you know the the again we've been talking on the show earlier in the in 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 it uh, about the kind of the scaremongering about food shortages after Brexit and and you know chlorinated chicken and all these things that people say we're going to be getting. It doesn't sound as though the system that we've got right now is working particularly well. No, and that is you know a narrative that I think is is quite deliberate to make it sound like our conditions are are much higher than in other countries, and you know particularly with pigs, we are pretty equal to most of the other countries in the European Union, and right. that's where most of the imported pork comes from. Mm. So the idea that we have the highest welfare standards in the world, I'm afraid, is a bit outdated. Yeah, no, that's a shame, isn't it? Well, listen, Dr. Tony, thanks very much indeed. Very valuable work that you're doing. Uh, can people sort of track what it is that you do? Uh, online somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. We're at animalequality.net. Okay, brilliant stuff. Dr. Tony Shepherd there from uh, Animal Equality UK. Evil minds that plot destruction. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number. I've got a great uh, tweet here from Julia, which she's got. She says, "This is uh, uh, my definition of Katy Perry packing to go on holiday." There's a little video. Here. <laughs> you're trying to get. Do you know what? That is so true. And try, try I pack in ten minutes flat. Everybody the... in my house takes ages yeah. to pack, and I just lob it in. So I chuck it all in. I'd sit on it, zip it up. There you go. Fine. Let's talk to Patrick, uh, who's in Belfast. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Hi, good afternoon, mate. Good afternoon, Katie. Good afternoon. What do, you want to, what do you want to tell us? Well, can I first say it's a joy to have the two years back together. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much indeed. The old firm, as they call it. The, the <laughs> Not old that old, actually. Back together. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm delighted to have Katie next to me. You know, I always like working with her because she's the only one that can control me. That is very true. I'm told he's much nicer to everyone else, though. That's not true. Is that true? No. I do not believe that for a second. <laughs> no. This is, this is my default position, I have to say. But uh, what do you want to tell us, Patrick? Mate, it's just about what your your last caller was on there about the the food. Yeah. Um, I basically I I would shop for all my vegetables at the local market. Okay. And then at my I I don't go to any of the high street brands for any of my meat. I go to a local butcher. Right. And basically, if you have any issues about where the meat comes from, you can actually go to where he gets his meat from and see. Wow. The of where it comes from. So, you know, he, he is completely open and you can turn around and say, well, where do you get your pork from? Where do you get your your beef from? And you can go to the farms and actually see where they come from. And is it largely, is it a lot more expensive to do that or not really? Honestly, it's, I what I find it is, well, one, it's healthier and it tastes nicer. Yes. But two, it is it is very, very reasonable considering a lot of people who are on budgets. Yes. I found that, I, I found that a lot of the high streets, one, you don't know, the, the quality of meat doesn't taste the same. No. But two, it's a lot more expensive. Mm. Well, it's interesting, you know, because obviously, as you know, I go to America quite a lot. And if you buy the meat that they sell in America, just a basic American supermarket, it doesn't have any taste to me at all. You know, because yeah. it's so injected with hormones and antibiotics and all sorts of other bits and pieces that it really doesn't have the flavour. And you have to spend a lot more money to get something that tastes good. I find, I'm like you, I prefer to buy stuff if I can from a, from a local butcher. And there's a butcher's in Borough Market, well, there's several butchers in Borough Market that I go to, right? And I know yeah, you're going to say, yeah, but they're not that expensive, they okay? Are. Now, I'll tell you something that's interesting. If I buy meat from a place, there's one particular place which sells uh, Scottish beef, right? It's like Aberdeen Angus or something like that. It stays fresh in the fridge for about a week. Okay, yep. it has a sell-by date of a week. You buy stuff from any major supermarket. A couple it's, of days. It's a couple of days maximum, right? So what's that all about? 
I completely, I completely agree, Mike. I mean, uh, what it, it's like you say, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Mm. But the main thing is that whenever you're sitting down at the dinner table with your kids, you know that this quality of food, you might have paid a wee bit extra more for it, but it, one, it tastes nicer, and two, it's it's peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's what I like. I, I don't like the idea of, you know, going out and buying processed food no. and you don't know, you know, where it's been. Or also like, massively mass-produced food as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, li- I like to be able to, if I have a, a, a question for the butcher, you know, he's not going to fold me off. He's going to turn around and he's going to say, well, listen, this is where I get my meat from. Go to them and see. Mm. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, what what you get is what you pay for. And, and also, you can, you can just consume less, can't you? You know, if we everybody's buying loads of ham, loads of sausages, loads of bacon, you know, all this kind of stuff. Just if a little bit less means you don't spend the money, you get better quality, and just buy a little bit less of it. Trust me, Katie. I can go to my local butcher and buy enough food from him that I can pack away and I can freeze it for a month. And see, when I take it out, it still tastes as good as when I first bought it that day. Yeah, we, we've lost all of those butchers on our high streets, though. Maybe a lot it's of them that have time to come back. Yeah, a lot of them have disappeared. Patrick, thanks very much indeed. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.